Welcome to the Limitless Career Podcast, the show where you hear the how, why, and what it takes to build an ambitious and fulfilling career that stands out. Around here, we believe that ambition isn't a dirty word, and each episode will show you exactly what I mean. I'm your host, Jazz Broughton, certified career coach on a mission to empower you to embrace ambition, create your own rules, and create a career and life you never thought possible. I do this work and more with a dose of reality, curiosity, challenge and intention to enable you to show up and go get the growth your ambitious career deserves. Welcome to this week's episode of the Limitless Career Podcast. Today I'm so excited to have our special, special guest, Isabel Sachs. Hi, Isabel. Hi. Hi, Jess. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining. There's so much that we can talk about, but I want to start off by inviting you to introduce yourself to our listeners today. Uh, Yes, of course. Yeah, my name is Isabel. I am originally from Brazil, although I like to say that I have more passports than Jason Bourne. My family's very (laughs) confused and international. They really like to mingle. Um, And I've been living in London since 2014. I came to do a master's and basically never left, which is the story of so many of us in London. But I've always worked in the creative industries. It's been over 15 years, mainly in the live arts department. So like music and theater, mm-hmm. had an agency back in Brazil. And then in London in 2020, as we all remember as D-Day mm-hmm. or C-Day, whichever you prefer, uh, there was a point where I was working for music festivals and note self, that's not a great business to be in, in the middle of a global pandemic. Mm. So I lost my job amongst so many of others. And after doing what I like to call a lot of Netflix and crying, I did a started a project called I like networking, which is a social enterprise that I now run. So I changed a little bit about what I do. amazing I love the flexibility in it all which is kind of forced we get we get that like 2020 was a very interesting time and and to a certain extent still is for many people but what was what was that moment like when you decided to start I like networking so it's funny because it wasn't a I had no plan for it it was just I was really tired of feeling sorry for myself after a while like you can cry and wallow for a bit of time and then you're like "Ugh, this is boring like what can I do and I was having conversations with people and then at one point I had a coffee virtual coffee I think at the time with a friend who was telling me like I literally pay someone to network for me at this time it's impossible to get anything done without it but I hate it it's so difficult how we're gonna do this now and I replied, I said, well, I actually like networking. I don't think it's that bad. I feel like you get a bad rep for no reason. So I came home. I had to think, like, what am I going to do? And I started plotting, like, what if we do, like, a mentoring program that brings networking to its core so that we're, like, literally opening doors to more people. Um, and I thought at the time that COVID would end in three months. Like, so that would be back to normal for everyone. So that would just be a temporary form of support uh, and something to keep my mind from spinning out whilst I was, you know, trying to find other stuff to pay my bills. But 
essentially there is a <laughs> like I I like to run and there was like this running podcaster or something that mm. had addiction issues in his life and at one point he said something about like when you're drowning the best thing you can do is to think about how you can serve others instead of thinking about yourself and mm. I that's how my idea came I was like well I feel like I'm drowning there's nothing to do so why don't I stop thinking about myself and think about other people for a change and that was it really that was the start of everything and everything else that came after was just like an organic sort of development of like realizing that people needed support way more support than I had initially predicted mm. and trying to figure out what what I could do you know because obviously I can't support every single person in every single need that they might have in the creative industries but it was trying to assess my strengths in that and like okay this is something I could tackle and this is not and then eventually understanding maybe there's a business model here <laughs> to continue this because at some point it took over my life you know yeah. so <laughs> I had to make a decision a hundred percent and I love the fact that you mentioned strengths because this is something that I explore a lot with my clients where when something like that happens to you in your career and it gets derailed and like I relate to it from the position of being made redundant And you sit in this space where you almost forget that just because you don't have a vehicle for those strengths doesn't mean that the strengths automatically disappear. Like, you know, you don't have a job, but you still have a career, right? You you don't have an employer, but you still have things that you can do and, and quote unquote, be productive around, right? Whatever that definition kind of looks like, right? And that definition has to include being able to pay bills, right? And being able to still like exist um, and survive. So I think it's so powerful that you looked at something that no one can ever take away from you, which is your skill around networking and networking is a skill. So that's why even though I find it super interesting that some people are paying other people to do it, but on the other side, not that surprising because there's so many spaces that have been on the rise since before the pandemic, but also through it, fostering community and connection. And some of them are still very out and out, like this is a networking club. This is a members club, right? This is a, we're here to meet each other. Whereas other places it's like, we're just here to exist together and learn mm-hmm. some stuff and share some cool stuff. But I think the need for that connection has has only grown. And I think that's the part where I enjoy as somebody who, like I admit, I've always enjoyed networking. Love meeting new people even in the like very weird and awkward, like elevator pitch scenarios and, you know, all of those, but but it's because I'm a people person, right? So I've enjoyed the fact that people have started to see network in different formats. And that was one thing that I always enjoyed about seeing the, the events and the projects that I like networking would put out is because it's like, well, it's like a different way of networking. Like we're not just joining a Zoom call to just chat and like pitch to each other. We're joining a Zoom call to learn about something that's helpful to all of us and connect around topics, connect around creative skills, connect around creative um, trends or whatever it is and kind of just normalize it a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I shouldn't be this. I think there's an image of what networking is. And then especially for the creative industries, I, which is mm-hmm. actually the only industry I can talk about because I haven't done anything else. <laughs> um, it's, 
it doesn't really work. Like I have never worked in a very big corporate environment. So I really don't know what it's like, but I remember going to my first music conference and people being like very much, there was a space and then people were like hit like, Oh my God, you look exactly like this girl. You should meet her because you look like sisters and getting introduced to someone because we looked the same (laughs) or we had a similar background or something. And Mm -hmm. people would keep calling us like, Oh, the little sisters. Cause I'm very short. She was short as well. Well, she's still short. I'm still short. That has never changed. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So, and then I remember the people who were guiding me saying like, yeah, you need to go to the conference, but what really matters is that you go to some of the concerts you want to go after to see the new app, the new talent, because that's where you're actually going to meet people. Because people don't are not going to make just a deal. Like, and literally understanding that I had to just go see things to meet people, like go to gigs, go to plays, and then meet people there. And literally, it was just so informal. <laughs> yeah. um, and it had it that has its pros and cons. But I kind of assumed networking was always like this it was literally about connecting with people in different levels because we are social creatures like we need connections so it's not like you can meet the most important people in your life or your career because you joined the same book club you know it doesn't need to be this intense pitch 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 because sometimes you don't have anything to pitch sometimes you just You don't even know where you want to go. You know, you're just exploring. Yeah. And that's a great thing that networking can help provide people is like understanding where you're going to fit, you know? So it mm-hmm. doesn't need to have this pitch sale goal all the time that you always have to achieve, achieve, achieve that. I think it's really daunting, especially if you're starting out or restarting or pivoting, which yeah. I think so many of us are, especially now, you know? So it has so many benefits that, you know, if you that without even mentioning any like mental health benefits, I think mm. really having a strong network is about that as well. And it's not about who you can pitch to and how many sales leads you can have, but it's like who can who can you reach out to, you know, yeah. in different yeah. times. And I growing up in the live like sort of industry where you know if you do a concert a music festival a play it doesn't matter how talented of a director you are or like how skilled a guitarist you are like if there's not a roadie there if there's someone to check the sound if there isn't someone to turn on the lights in the place and if there's no audience it doesn't really matter so your talent doesn't exist in a vacuum you always have to work with big teams. So that I think really helps the idea that to be successful in this world in whatever format, but to, you know, have a nice career, you need to collaborate with others, right? Like that's just essence of it. And like the creative industries does not work in any other way. I think it's really hard. Um, but so I think it was always a good lesson to learn that you're just like, you're a little cog and you're going to be part of a team, even if you work for yourself, you know? Yeah. So you might as well network to find the team you like to work with, you know. A hundred percent. 
like a positive thing, not this. It way. is. It is. And it doesn't always have to be that sort of stuffy formal way. And, you know, even as you were speaking, some of my closest friends are creative. So they're artists, producers, musicians. And there's always this sort of tension between wanting to just be brilliant and sparkle in the corner. That's what I talk about when I talk about like personal branding, right? Is that you you just want to kind of focus on your art and you want your art to speak for itself and your creative vision to just exude. And it's like, that's not the world that we live in. The world that we live in means that even as an artist, you need to go to other people's shows and have conversations. As much as you want to sit in the back in the corner and just like nurse your drink and feel the vibe, have a chat, have a conversation. Because a lot of the times it isn't just about, you know, oh, I'll get the sale or the pitch or they'll agree to collaborate with me then and there. A lot of the time it is what I refer to as word association. Mm-hmm. It's word association. Regardless of what has happened in this conversation, does this person have some words that they can associate me with? So whether it is producer, director, writer, right, or just multidisciplinary, you know, whatever it is you've described yourself as, do they have that word association so that if they are then going through life and they're having a conversation with somebody else, they're able to go, Isabel, networking, live events. Yeah, I'm not sure if she's exactly what you need, but I know she mentioned something about live events. I know she mentioned something about music or she mentioned something about theater or she mentioned something about community or whatever it is. And that isn't the full blown pitch. That isn't the full blown encapsulation of who you are. Like one of the things that I love saying is that, you know, we're not one dimensional people. So this is not about stifling who you are by a job title, or even your current projects, right? It's about actually allowing yourself to be a little bit fluid with it, which actually takes off the pressure in the moment of being like, hi, my name is Jazz and I am. Yeah, exactly. I prefer to kind of go, I'm working on, or I do, or I enjoy like things that give us space to be more open. So then it feels more like you're talking to a friend rather than like sitting in an interview. Yeah, which is why when you asked to talk about me, I said a few personal things to start because I've always been Isabel, even though even before I was Isabel the producer or Isabel the owner of whatever, you know, mm-hmm. and it's very easy to get attached to those labels. I think we run in a, we work, we live, we all live, I guess, here in a capitalist society where productivity is a must and we've been you know, drill that idea that what your your professional output equals mm-hmm. your value in this world. And that may be for some people. And I know that for artists, it's really hard to dissociate those. But, you know, we can be artists and baristas at the same time. And one thing does not, you know, like there is this, as I mentioned, I love running. Uh, the one thing that I love about it is that it's one of it's a very like democratic sport in the sense that it's one of the only sports that you as the amateur will do the exact same race on the exact same day that all the professionals will do like if you're running a marathon or something and you know for Olympic trials usually if you get a good time in the US for instance you can just go and run the Olympic trials so you can literally be all Olympic hopeful for anywhere from anywhere in the world and there was one woman who went to one competition and she's a nurse with three kids and someone who literally was a barista and that does not make her less of a runner Mm. you know and I think we that's always a good thing to remember like so many people who love running will say they're runners like 
but they are also bankers and moms and dads and you know whatever so we it's important that we remember the things that we are beyond what has been assigned of value to an external sort of system that we currently live in and that's not to say that we shouldn't get paid and all that good stuff as artists but that one thing does not make you less of who you are of less of jazz or like so when i didn't have a job for two or three months that did not make me less of who i was you know even though i felt that way but there was a lesson to remind myself like well i'm still here like all the parts <laughs> right so it's like slapping your face it's like it's me it's me yeah, yeah. like like <laughs> You know, at the end of the day, the most important people in your life are not going to be with you be like, oh my God, I can only hang with Jazz because she is X, Y, and Z. The moment she changes her career, I'm done. I would be so friendless if that was the case. Exactly. Yeah, my career has bounced through a couple of industries and then even within an industry, different roles. Like uh, anybody who knows me knows that Jazz, Jazz is just doing her thing. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I I think careers are getting more and more fluid by the day and they're changing all the time. I mean, how mm-hmm. like when I was growing up, if someone told me that, oh, your best one of your best friends is going to be an influencer, you'll be like, I don't know what that means. Like, what mm-hmm. the hell? What is an oh, Instagram? You know, and now it's like clearly a career. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Everyone does it. Like there's all these things like it did not exist, you know. so like when i started in the music industry it's how old i am there was no spotify there were no like we literally recorded dvds and cds Mm. you know and we went after the concert (laughs) we had to find a distributor i remember the first time we managed to get like an album in a store and like a you know, like a bookstore that sold CDs. Do you remember those? And we were like taking photos with our like really old digital cameras that had like bad (laughs) resolution. So it was like, look how much things have changed. You know, there was like, I remember when we did our first YouTube video, like, oh, look at this thing. Like it, all Mm. those things changed so fast. So there's, you can't, I think it's dangerous to assign value based on just what you do in a productive output based on what society tells you that that's you know the career because you can always do something else and you'll still be you basically that ended up being way more philosophical than it should have been but you get the gist a hundred percent everything that you were just describing is bringing back very fond memories of going into um in the uk it was woolworths and you know the cds are on the shelf in order of the charts and you got the singles and the albums and you save up your pocket money. And yeah, yeah, yeah. all of that. Exactly. I think it's so, so, so important to actually recognize that it's not about waiting for society to assign a value to what you do in your career and being able to define that for yourself. Um, I think even in terms of when people work on projects and, you know, it's very easy to talk about goals, right? Mm -hmm. But also like understanding that actually alongside that goal, there are some other outcomes. Like I'm a big fan of like enriching how we plan things, enriching how we view what is success. Um, And 
not forgetting that part of the journey, if that makes sense. So like if we, we see, we can stick on the creative wave, but it's like, you know, if you're an artist, yeah an album you want to do a certain number of sales but also there might be a goal for you to learn the rollout process right to have your first experience in a professional recording studio that's not your bedroom like Mm -hmm. all of those little milestones along the way that are outcomes of you going and striving for this goal or getting awareness like bringing awareness of your music to a specific community and again that's not necessarily like a number that's literally just like oh my gosh, people in this country, like one human in this country on this part of the globe has heard my project. Wow, my music is being played all the way over the equator or whatever it may be. And I think it's so important to do that because it reminds us, it reminds us that the journey is part of the goal. The journey is part of the success. And again, that then builds again, those strengths, those skills that we talk about that nobody can take away, regardless of how that project done, you now know that you know how to roll out a project. Yeah. And I agree. I think I always say this to people, like you need to set yourself your own key performance indicators because people are different, you know, some people will really see like financial reward as success. That's fine. You can Mm -hmm. chase that. Some people want to have a life where they are totally flexible with their time as success. And that might mean that they will have less financial like opportunities than someone who decided to work for an investment banking, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, but for them, it's more important to be able to work from Costa Rica one day and Mexico the other or something. I don't know. Um, Non-COVID times, obviously, same. But, you know, that it really depends on what it's important to you, like what your value system is. You can't just let everyone else dictate that for you because, I mean, you're, then you're going to end up chasing things. Then you're going to get there and you'll be like, now what? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly that. Even as you were describing it, it reminded me of a book that I read by Seth Godin called The Practice. And it, it's literally, it's almost a book that he's written for creators, if I'm honest. And his, the whole point of the book, please read it. This is not a spoiler. Well, it could be a spoiler, but ultimately the whole point of the book is that the the excellence around like creative output and stuff like that is just about showing up and creating each day, showing up and creating each week. So yes, it could be about like creating a project that does X numbers or having those KPIs, but actually the the greatest sort of creative minds cultivate a practice, a practice, sorry, of creativity and that's something that I relate to in terms of like writing or in terms of coaching um you know I coach regardless of whether I have a client I self-coach myself I've got friends and we coach each other and it's just about turning these things into a way of life as opposed to waiting for this golden uh aha or turning Mm -hmm. projects into these massive things Whereas it's like, well, any project is actually kind of a piece of cake if you have a habit of creating every day. You know, I've got a housemate who plays, um, he plays the guitar, he plays bass. He has a practice of playing a couple of chords a day. He doesn't need to have a show coming up. It doesn't need to be to do with a project. It's just about him having the discipline to get up and pick up that instrument every single day for a couple of minutes a day, right? You know, you're talking five to 10 minutes, sometimes 15, but that is what fuels him. That is what 
essentially is is the building block for any big opportunity that does come up. And I think that's really interesting, like going into another sort of parallel, there was this trend, I think it might still be around, but I feel like in the pandemic, there was this sort of trend of a, it's called the 75 hard challenge. And for 75 days, you basically commit to like exercising twice a day, um, following a strict diet, not um, drinking any alcohol, like all of the (laughs) things that we kind of know are good for ourselves. (laughs) But you commit to doing like these four or five things for 75 days, no breaks, right? So you're you're doing those two workouts on a Saturday and a Sunday. There's no sort of cheat day element. And, you know, I was researching it and the person who created it um, actually put it into a book and everything and was saying, you know, as much as people are doing this challenge for weight loss or health goals, it's a mental challenge. Like it's a mental challenge to be able to show yourself that you can be consistent in a way of life. Like you can tell your body what to do, which sounds like a very weird thing to say, but it is, it is that it's like, can I do this? And if I do this, even if I do this for 30 days, the emotional high that you must be on to just know that I can discipline myself for 30 days and not discipline in like the, I don't know, the childhood way that we think of it, like you've done something wrong. But in terms of like, my power is infinite. My potential is infinite because I am in control of me. (laughs) Like regardless of what happens out there, good day, bad day, rain, snow, sunshine, whatever it is, I have been able to commit to myself. So when you lift something like that, you recognize I can commit to my work. I can commit to my art. I can commit to my contract role. I can commit to my social enterprise. I can commit to showing up more consistently as a friend, as a family member, right? It's all the same you Mm -hmm. that are able to be intentional about, and nobody can take that away, right? Because it became quite popular in the pandemic because all of these things were things that kind of stayed consistent, right? We still need to eat. So you decide what your diet is going to be. We still need to drink water. You decide what that is. Exercise. Okay. If it's indoor, it's still exercise. Yeah. So I find it so interesting. Yeah. And I think the the other side of that is that then if you are having to do that, you decide to do something it might be that something else will fall out of the way and that will like give you hints of like, okay, this is more important than this. And it'll help you like set some boundaries for yourself, which is something that we all tend to have a really hard time doing. Mm. I think, I mean, I used to have a really hard time setting boundaries. Oh yeah, I used to, especially like around, you know, what you mentioned in terms of like productivity is like a must in society. And there's this sort of element of like, who are you or what are you if you're not doing something with every minute that is given to you? you know, and that's why I quite enjoy the the little, the little micro movement towards like productive rest, which kind of just reframes it and says like, what you think is productivity is actually quite toxic in many times. Yeah. Um, and rest can probably be a very productive thing for you. Not probably it is, right? We've known it. Everybody tells us that sleep is important for us. That's like, that's the, that's the hard reset version of rest, right? Switch your brain off and sleep. But yeah. also what about just keeping still? What about people watching? Not in a creepy way, people, 
but I just, you know, like I just, let me, let me illustrate some of my favorite coffee shops in London, which is where I live, give me a lovely view of people. So like, I like to go to St. Paul's and sit on the benches and just watch people like moving through the city center, rushing to work or whatever it is. People are just interesting. Again, it's not Mm -hmm. creepy. I'm not looking anybody up. I'm not feeding them into any sort of algorithm. It's just observing humanity move around me. (laughs) But like that, that's like, that's rest. Be alone with your thoughts. Exactly. No, that is so, so, so important. I also love coffee shops. It's one of my favorite things ever. I also like how people make a lot of fun. This is like people make fun of me all the time that I need to to use a certain number of words a day. Um, (laughs) And it's funny because I grew up, you know, like I grew up with my mom and my sister and we all tend to talk a lot. (laughs) <laughs> so it's like blah, and we are pretty like high volume of words every day so during the like one of the 127 lockdowns that we went through um at one point i was like i don't want to talk to any of my friends i don't want to call someone i want to go to a coffee shop and talk to a stranger and to the barista like i really need to use oh my gosh barista words are my favorite yes they Me are, too. Um, and I was like, this, this, I don't want, I don't want to call anyone. I don't want to have a conversation. I want to go talk about random stuff with new people that do not know me. Like, that's my goal. That's <laughs> it. I, like, I love it. I feel like if you've never done this before, please do it. Like when somebody says good morning, the barista one is the best example. Or if you go to a restaurant where you're like seated by someone, like it's so amazing because it's just about the pleasantries in the moment and fun facts or laughter. There's always something you can talk about. Maybe something that's your favorite on the menu, a memory, art they have on the wall, music that they're playing, whatever it actually maybe and it's so nice because it's got a pretty defined beginning and end like once you get your you've paid your bill that's the end of the engagement so you can have so much fun in between like I, I love it one of my past lives is working in a hotel um and I worked in it was an airport hotel so those small conversations were always really fun because you could always like as a staff member you could always pretty much rely on going like where are you flying to because nobody just stays there for the sake of it. And then you get the stories of like, oh, this is a honeymoon that was postponed, or I'm traveling for business. I'm actually going to be here like every week for the next six weeks, flying in and out, or whatever it may be. And you get to talk to people about like what they do, and like just what brings them here. Like what's the life moment that brings you here? And that always used to be like one of my favorite, favorite parts. And again, for them, it's a nice pleasantry because they know once they pay the bill, like unless they unless I'm working the breakfast shift and they see me there and even then it's like would you like to your coffee do you want me to order some eggs for you like <laughs> it's pretty definitive so it's really nice to be pleasant and just curious in those moments curious yeah curious is the key word here I mm. think uh and the idea that you can always learn from other people yeah um yeah I think that's really important that you keep yourself open to interactions because this, literally this is how it works and I think you know obviously I grew up in Sao Paulo which is like a huge city mm-hmm. yeah I like lots and millions and millions to the point that when I moved to London I was like oh it's just such a manageable sized town and people were like what the hell are you talking about but I really <laughs> think it's a nice sized city um 
it's all about you know context in this world mm. uh and i i think one of the things i love the most and i so the thing is that obviously i come from like big town so i don't know how to live in another sort of <laughs> setting I, uh, but i, I love you never yeah like, i oh, love people everywhere yeah i love the idea that you're always encountering like totally different people there are so many things that you see daily that you're like wow this you know like london especially i feel people have a lot of tend to be very free in terms of like how they dress what they're doing there's so many things you can find and i think that's actually really exciting like it's something that makes me feel happy when you see like all these different people like who live in the same building or the flat or the street like Mm. I, I love that. Basically, really drives me as a person. <laughs> but I relate to that. And I'm very happy that you shared that because it was something that I had to realize when I kind of sat down to set my goals for this year. Um, as much as I had become quite comfortable, kind of tucked away at home for the most part of the pandemic, I am fueled by socializing. I'm fueled by connection. Um, and yes, I get a ton of that online, like, you know, um, a, as a career coach, but also in my day job as a community manager, my job is literally peopling. That's what I call it. Um, but I had to realize that actually it fuels me and it's not anything that I want to be ashamed about. It's something I want to be intentional about. So this year on a personal level, like I am literally booking in lunches, brunches, breakfasts, coffees, drinks with my friends out until like, maybe I, I think the the furthest out date that I've put in the diary is like April. And then also from the curiosity perspective, I've started using Lunch Club, which is lunchclub.ai. I've got a profile on there. I'll put my link in there if anyone wants to connect with me there. So I can meet strangers, which again, sounds like a nightmare to a lot of people. But for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, the most curious conversation and again, it's a space that's held and it makes sense. You only really join Lunch Club if you really actually want to meet strangers, right? So it's not kind of like when you're chilling on LinkedIn and people are signing in your DMs and it's like, mm, I wasn't open for this. Um, yeah. But actually recognizing that has helped me sort of shape it and weave it into my life a little bit more intentionally. It also helps because it means that I don't talk my partner's ear off completely every single day I have other people to talk to <laughs> that is really important that you have a list of people you can go through with your word like my word, I, can of a day. I can do it I can do it each day I'm also a fan of a very long voice note but with like <laughs> permission like there's a few friends who do the same so it's not just like hey you reach out to me like with a two-minute voice note and I send you 17 minutes back it <laughs> exactly (laughs) see where it's at what is your mission so I think the overarching mission is to help people build a supportive network in where they can drive you know where they can drive their creative careers can drive so it's focused on the creative industries as I mentioned just because I don't know any other industry so I don't I'm not going to tell people what to do with that place Mm -hmm. Like my network is all in that industry as well. So I didn't feel like it should go differently. And also it's the only industry I know the issues. And one of the main issues is something I felt personally is that it's not a transparent place to go in. Mm. As in the information to access the creative industries is not readily accessible. The 
terminology around some of the roles that you'll be doing is not very clear. It can change pretty broadly without no one telling you exactly how it's going to change. Mm. Um, it's kind of like a game where no one actually knows the rules really well. Like it's not very well established unless for a few people who are already gatekeeping it. And I think we're trying to change that so that it can become more diverse at the end because it's really problematic at the moment. Um, I think other industries have their own issues around diversity and inclusion, but I personally, and that's <laughs> maybe think or people are going to think I'm very much expanding the power of the creative industries, but I <laughs> don't believe, I, I believe in this, so I'll say, mm. is that we can only, we, we need to see things to be things and to understand that they exist. So, you know, I think artists in all times, all types of artists are the people who are changing the world. People who are on the outskirts, they are the ones changing the ideas and creating real innovation and so on. Mm. But there is a problem with everyone who is in a position to share their stuff or to create things um, are all the same sort of people. They all look the same and come from the same background. They have kind of the same vision of the world. Because then how is that going to be a creative solution to any of the problems we face? Yeah. You know? I think the people behind the scenes are as important as the people in front of the scenes. So like the producers, the assistant producers, the roadies, the electricians, the light designers, the, you know, the account managers, the journalists and the editors, they all need to be representative of the society we live in, not just the one section of the society because that will create better products for everyone that will change what magazines look like, that would change what the internet's like, it would change what tech products are developed. It's going to change everything. So it does have a massive impact in our society as a whole. I think the biggest impact, like no one, like it's really hard to think about history without thinking, you know, like you study history and then you immediately imagine someone's painting or someone's music or you know like someone's fashion at the time all of those things are the things that makes us remember a time and a period and understand what actually went down it's not just the facts like you don't actually understand everything by facts right we need stories and we need those narratives and if all the narratives are the same yeah. then what sort of history do we have you know and what sort of future do we have so I think it's actually one of the most important industries in the world. It's just really undervalued because people just assume that creative is fun and it's a joke and they don't really understand the work that goes into any of it, of the crafts, and that it's not necessarily rewarded in the same way you can't just... I mean, some people can just sit down and write 10 songs a day. Some mm. people need like 20 years to write, you know. Yeah a book or a musical or whatever. And then some people will be working behind the scenes to make that all happen. And it's important that those people are also diverse because they will bring new visions to everything. Mm -hmm. And that changes things. I really think it does. It changes how people feel seen or not seen. It changes like people's sense of belonging in the world and not fitting in, but belonging, you know, and it changes ideas. I think, the creative industries are the industries pushing things forward, you know? Yeah. So like Johnny Ive, who is Sir Johnny Ive, who is this like huge, you know, mm -hmm. probably very wealthy man right now, 
he designed everything about Apple. Like, look at the power this designer had in our lives, you know, and people mm-hmm. are just like transformation. Yeah. So I don't, so I think I've always been really passionate about this, about making sure that there's different voices coming and that there are more ideas being uncovered. So I worked with like emerging artists in back in Brazil and I really love doing that stuff that we're around as well, like touring and bringing projects to different places and kind of pushing the narratives and like, what are the stories we are telling as well? And Mm -hmm. I really could see how that really changed things. So I, I just don't know any other way to exist. To be honest, I feel like I want to know that if I'm here and I'm going to, work like a mad woman (laughs) that it's gonna have a tiny tiny positive impact you know that we're gonna try to change the dial a bit further uh and yeah maybe i'm not solving like like how to cure cancer or anything but maybe everything else that we're doing it's gonna bring someone to do something that would do something you know because creativity and innovation Mm. affects everything but i really think like i you know i've faced some BS in my career that, you know, it's about, I don't know, my size or my gender and all that stuff. And there are all other issues that people face around what you look like. And the more, you know, the more diverse group of people we have in the world pushing for change and setting agendas, the better it will be, you know? And so that's more or less my overarching mission. But Mm. Our initial way is to just make sure that the doors are a little bit more open to anyone who would like to progress in the creative industries, so that it doesn't look like this thing that only a few people belong to. You know, we want everyone to feel like they can go there and make it their own because we need change and we need more different people to change it because if like everyone went to the exact same school and grew up in the exact same city, then the conversations you're going to have are eventually going to come very restricted because your vision, you know, of the world is going to be quite similar. And we want people to challenge that, right? Yeah. Even if we end up not agreeing with them, I think it's important to be challenged so that you can develop the thinking, you know, further. So that's more or less the goal in a very small with a very small staff but that's what I eventually like to do and I know that ally networking is a in a way a palliative measure to Mm. some of the issues that we face in the creative industries but I hope that it can become a platform where other people can jump from it and like you know like go do things and then we can highlight some voices and eventually like advocate for some policy changes and things like that because I think we need that to go hand in hand with other initiatives that exist like ours like you know like creative access there are so many people doing amazing things like art clubbers and the aurelia magazine like bad form there's so many people working to make the creative industries different right um and better for everyone Mm. that i i think i'm hoping that part of being a networking advocate is actually making sure that we can highlight those voices that are also doing other things so we can collaborate and create a big amazing community of like this is a new format for the industry moving forward you know yeah but yeah 
that's a big big goal but you know that's I love it but it needs to be big right this whole show is about observing and just having conversations about the, the limits that we put on our careers and ultimately our careers in aggregate chuck, chuckle our careers together they're industries right and one of the things that's my favorite pastime is looking at documentaries especially documentaries of musicians I think the most recent one Janet Jackson has done one uh, Tina Turner but also like unsung there's literally a documentary series called unsung and you hear about the stories that you never hear about, right? Because they're not still on top of the charts. They were maybe a one hit wonder that when you recognize all of the characters that are part of these stories and a part of these journeys, it can tell you so much. And, you know, we were talking about CDs earlier. It took for somebody to move past their own personal limits of what they thought was possible in their career to make that change, to say, his digital music, his an MP3 player, his a like, his like music as a file online, like, right? You know, here's all of these things for somebody to say, right, I'm not going to be limited by what we're already doing in the industry or in the discipline or even in my company. I'm going to create something new and I'm going to innovate. And that takes a lot, you know, and that's one thing why I was so excited for us to have this conversation today because even networking can become a a limit. There's people who limit the potential of how far their art and their creativity and their skills and their gifts and passions can go simply because they aren't connecting with anyone. They've made themselves an island. And there's so many different reasons why people feel uncomfortable um, with networking or ill-equipped, right? Because that's a part as well. When I think about my education, I only got taught how to network because I observed my dad do it and we had conversations about it. My dad's an entrepreneur, right? So he had to learn it from that perspective and pass that knowledge down. In my formal education, networking was only brought up in university. And again, that's a place of privilege. Not everyone goes to university and not everyone's university has that resource and things like that. So it's it's about creating spaces for us to upskill in these areas so that meeting someone collaborating with someone doesn't become the reason like or not being able to do those things doesn't become the reason that you don't hit your mission so I loved hearing you share your mission mission no matter how big it may feel because you don't you don't walk that path alone there are people on the journey with you whether it's in the team whether it's people like me that's like that's amazing I'm gonna reshare it I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down and have a chat right we don't walk this journey alone and there's so many different pieces to to the story so thank you for yeah sharing. and I think we also need to stay I think one thing I try to do is stay flexible with mm. myself and question myself on like does this still serve me is this why I'm doing it you know because and I'm just understanding what your thing is because we're all really different we're wired differently so people will be driven by different things Mm. And I don't necessarily want to convince people that they need to be driven the same way as I am for the exact same things. But yeah, um, I think it's good to have a little, a little bit of, like some clarity on why you're doing things, even if you know that how small your place is. Just have a direction. <laughs> but I agree that that we, you know, at the end, brands, we are like, oh, brands are so powerful. Brands don't actually exist in the real world. They're like a fabrication and there's a lot of people yeah. working to make a brand exist. Yeah, You know, it's a bunch of people like organizations are just made up of a lot of other people, which is why networking is important, because it's literally about your capacity to connect with others in different (laughs) levels. And, you know, 
there's like a hundred people when I was a music manager or the producer that did the exact same thing as I did. Some people decided to work with me because of me, not because like just necessarily like you put me on a scale with other people. There were other people that could do the exact same thing, right? So you need to, need to remember who you are, <laughs> what yeah. your deal is and how you make people think. And I think, yeah, it's really important to learn that you'll have to work with others in life because it's going to be very hard. Otherwise, I think yeah. for you, no matter how brilliant you are, it's going to yeah. be difficult. <laughs> 100%. Thank you so, so, so much. Um, just before we close off, where can people connect with you and follow your journey? So our company is called iLight Networking. Our biggest platform is on Instagram. So at iLight Networking, we have a newsletter and we do a series. We have a membership. We have events. We share a bunch of digital resources as well. So if anyone needs help accessing the creative industries, we have all sorts of things that we share for free from creative opportunities roundups, jobs roundups, like resources for all sorts of people. And we also run uh, workshops, career development programs, bespoke mentoring. So can reach out to us. Everything is on iLineNetworking.uk. Very easy. And if anyone wants to connect with me on LinkedIn, my name is Isabel Sachs, as I said. So come say hi. Don't tell me to, don't ask to pick my brains because that is the most horrifying <laughs> sentence of oh. all time. But you know, can you imagine, like I always say this to people in networking workshops, like close your eyes, imagine your like brain half open and <laughs> people good. like literally peeking at it. It makes me itch just yeah. thinking about it. And like, why would we do that to someone that's, sounds horrible um like don't start that way please like don't get like ready formulas like hi i like to add you to my network like no just say like who you are like give us a hint you know give us a flavor like like why uh so but yeah if anyone wants to connect come find me um all the links are there anyway but thank you yeah. so much for having me jess and i love what you do and what you're about so it's been a pleasure to talk to you it's been such a pleasure thank you so much Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Limitless Career Podcast, where you hear the how, why and what it takes to build a career that stands out. If anything from today's episode has impacted you, I'd love to hear about it. So reach out on social media or by email. Don't forget to check the links in the show notes to find out how we can work together, get your hands on some juicy resources and join the mailing list for more fuel for your ambition. Until next time, take care.